Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective Podcast, which is a back-of-house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games, as told by the very people who organized them. I'm your host, Christian Napier, and before I introduce our very first guest on our very first episode, I want to take a moment and explain why I'm doing this podcast. 20 years ago, I joined the Salt Lake Organizing Committee, or as it was commonly known by its acronym, SLOC. Working on those games changed my life, and since 2002, I've been operating in this major event space. The last five years, I've been working with the International Olympic Committee in the area of knowledge management with a focus on storytelling, and partly because of that, I recently have felt the need to tell the story of the games that, for me, started it all, which were Salt Lake 2002. And that takes me to my first guest, the guest for this episode, Darren Hughes. Now, Darren interviewed me before I was hired by SLOC, and more than anyone, he's responsible for my career in major events. And for the past 20 years, we've worked together on, I don't know, dozens of projects, and I can't thank Darren enough for the influence he's had on my career and for his friendship. So, Darren, welcome. How are you? Wow. Thank you, Christian. Uh, thanks for the warm welcome. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. And I assume that you're home. I am. So this uh, coronavirus has uh, sort of taken us all off the road, hasn't it? So yes, normally I'm on the road a lot um, from moving from game city to game city. But uh, yeah, I've been home for a few weeks now. That may feel a bit odd because sometimes you're home like three days a month or something. <laughs> it, it is definitely a little, uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm used to working at home, but not working at home for so many days in a row. So um, you still get the jet lag, though, because the, you, you have to work, you know, with the the time zones that uh, the games are being uh, organized in. So still a little bit of adjustment, but yeah, we're OK. So none of the benefits and all of the drawbacks. No frequent flyer miles. That's the worst part. No frequent flyer miles. But the most important question of the day I have for you is, do you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> um, fortunately, before it all got really ugly, we did stock up. Not for this, but just, you know, uh, our monthly run to Costco. So we managed to do okay. So you're good for a month. Yeah, exactly. So if I ran out in a couple of weeks, I might uh, come knock on your door. Actually, I've, I've been seeing uh, I, I, on Twitter, somebody was posting funny messages. And one of them was they put up a sign in their front yard that said, please toilet paper us. <laughs> but not right. Yeah, not during a rainstorm. <laughs> True. True. You need to be able to collect it afterwards. All right, Darren. Well, let's get down to this. When we before we start, um, or to start, I should say, um, why don't you describe for everybody what you did in the Salt Lake Organizing Committee? Wow, um, I did all kinds of stuff, but I joined the organization in I think June of 1998, so um, a few months after the Nagano Games, uh, but then obviously about three and a half years before the Salt Lake Games. And uh, my role was uh, Director of Human Resources Planning and Operations which uh, in the games today would be known as people management, uh, sort of the looking after all of the different uh, people aspects of the games, everything from organizing, uh, you know, figuring out how many people you need uh, to organize the games, to games time, workforce planning, and how many volunteers you need, and uh, to everything from uh, uniform programs to figuring out how many hot dogs we could possibly serve. Oh my gosh, the hot dogs. We'll come back to the hot dogs in a minute, the hot dogs and the Wahoos. But if I were, if I were to sum up your job description in one sentence, it would be whatever Ed Einan asked you to do. 
That's right. So Ed Einan was our senior vice president of uh, human resources and international relations. And uh, I was a bit of a right hand to him. He was an awesome mentor. Uh, but basically anything that uh, came his way generally ended up going my way as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Ed was one of the reasons that you ended up getting to Slock, right? What was the journey like for you uh, before the games? How did you arrive at the Salt Lake Organizing Committee? Yeah, so I was actually working for a company a lot of locals would have known called Matrix Marketing, which is the world's largest call center company, uh, now called Converges Corporation based in Cincinnati. But at the time, uh, we were growing leaps and bounds and acquiring other com uh, companies. And essentially, human resources was really at the core of that business with uh, attrition rates of 150 to 200 percent and, you know, um, 30,000 employees. So you're, you're actually, you know, uh, recruiting constantly, re you know, replacing your workforce one or more times every year. So um, it, from a from an HR perspective, is a great company to be in. And that's where Ed Einan was. And that's uh, I, I got to work for him for a, a, a few years there. And then he was uh, invited to join the, the Salt Lake Organizing Committee. And um, through his whole interview process, it was sort of a package deal. Uh, he was involving me and in making sure that I would be interested in coming along with him. And uh, so he jumped ship first. And then uh, a few months later, uh, I was able to uh, join him. I would say that uh, on behalf of me and my team, we're super grateful that you decided to jump ship and join them there because if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be there. So I'm glad that you decided to make that move. Now, when you first moved over to Slock, were you in the Wells Fargo building or were you in the old building that was on? We were actually 257 Road? East, um, second South. So the first building, yes, the old building where uh, telecom and the accreditation center were uh, toward the end. Sorry, we were actually... I had to correct myself. We were actually in the tower next to it, the one with the FBI in it. That was the very first building, that sixth floor office space. So that's actually where I joined. Wow. Okay. So you, I mean, you go way back there. And uh, yeah. I was just asking the question about the scandal. So you joined before the whole thing erupted there. I and did. then you had to, you had to work through that. So how did that impact the work that you did? Um, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, everybody talks about the dark days during the mid scandal. And there, there was a lot of non-productive time, I must say, um, where maybe we weren't actually planning on the games, but we were reacting to, uh, you know, public opinion or, um, um, the, the changes organizationally. And so I was supporting some of that, but the days themselves didn't really seem all that dark. I didn't think that internally we ever felt like we were going to lose the games. Um, what we were, of course, uh, worried about was some of the people inside the organizing committee who may not make it all the way to games. Um, and, you know, what sort of external um, pressures we might be facing or, you know, um, kind of what impacts it might have on us going forward. But uh, I have to say that the, um, some of the, the leaders before Mitt Romney arrived, before Fraser arrived, uh, Frank Jocklick actually was uh, was great in terms of trying to manage that, that crisis. And, and then, of course, ultimately sort of uh, taking one for the team and moving on to help uh, transition the organization to be games ready. Well, you mentioned some names there, uh, Mitt, Frazier, Ed, they're kind of the big, the, the big names there. But when you look at the, the people that you worked with every day, uh, who were some of the really interesting characters that you worked with there at Slock? Wow. Um, okay. So through the whole journey, there were many interesting um, people. <laughs> I think of a couple of people who had, you know, the, the, the big characters who could uh, play what we called the games card. You've probably heard of that. So, you know, it's like they carried that around in their wallet. And every time that, you know, um, some some argument would come up, they would just say, well, this is how we did it in previous games. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Tom Hallorans and the Sharon Kingmans who had 
you know, just a multitude of experiences uh, that they could share, but also big personalities and kind of, you know, a sense of confidence. So it was uh, fun and yet challenging to be around them. Um, and then there were those sort of unique people who were uh, leaders in the organization that were really fun to work with guys like Don Pritchard, if you remember him from food services, or um, I, I really enjoyed working with Andrea Fraley, who was, uh, she ran the office management, which was a thankless job. Um, but she did it, you know, with a smile and, and managed it uh, very, very well. Well, I thought that floor that we worked on was a lot of fun from uh, Steve Clark to Christian LaBarbera and Carol Harris and Darcy and everybody there on that floor was just a lot of fun to be around every day. Actually, it was a great setup. So the 13th floor, you know, we kind of got to pick that out ourselves a little bit since we were the uh, office management people. And so we parked ourselves, um, the, the HR and IR team across the hall from MIT and the executives. And so um, it was a you know great place to be, very central for the organization. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of uh, fun people. It was, it was a great experience, probably the best uh, work experience that I ever managed to have. I remember, I don't know if you recall this, but I remember after the games were over, we kind of we're sitting there because we sit next to each other in the organizing committee. Yes, we did. We, and uh, <laughs> we, we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about none, uh, unimportant things, but, uh, <laughs> but I remember having the conversation after the games were over with you. Gosh, I mean, are we ever going to have, is this the pinnacle of our career? Are we ever going to have an experience <laughs> like this again? And in some respects I have not, you know, uh, it, it really was uh, a fantastic experience for me. I'd agree. I mean, that team environment, you know, we just, and, and part of it's because of probably what you and I do in terms of working with organizing committees and, you know, more of an advisory role versus a, a line management role. But uh, there really was a unique environment there um, and a real focus on, you know, making these games our Olympic games too. So the athletes, they might train for six or eight hours a day, but, you know, and, and, and they were working toward the Olympic games, but we also had the sense that we were working 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Um, but the games, these were our games and, and this was going to be our Olympic performance as well. And uh, if you remember, um, one of our corporate values was actually fun too. So we did try to have a little bit of uh, um, fun throughout that whole experience. I want to ask you a little bit about the uniform and I want to ask you because I still have the gloves. I still have the shoes. I still wear them to shovel snow. I still wear the hat. Give me the thought process behind the uniform is design. And what do you think when you walk around and you still see people today wearing uniform components that you were in charge of procuring <laughs> and designing? Well, interesting you say that. So we had uh, just a recent meeting with our Salt Lake 2030 slash 2034 bid effort um, where we got the first meeting of the board. And uh, the folks from the museum up at Utah Olympic Park brought down the uniforms to it. And uh, we had a, a good laugh with uh, Jenny Wilson, who's mayor of Salt Lake County, and a few others, you know, just rep reminiscing about the colors, mountain shadow, and, you know, <laughs> some of the, the different aspects of uniform design. Um, uh, now that it's been a really long time, I'm, I'm willing to admit there were two designs uh, and uh, the most of us really preferred one design. And let's say that the most senior leader of our organization preferred the other. And that's the one we got. So very bold, you know, lots of angles, very colorful. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's certainly striking and, and, and definitely was useful. And, and I, I think most everybody reflects on those uniforms as being really good. Again, 
quite loud, but um, you still see them out there today. And uh, yeah, especially in the winter and, uh, you know, happy that other people are enjoying them. Well, now I feel like maybe I shouldn't have admitted <laughs> that I'm wearing the gloves and the shoes. Just black with some nice hat. logos. <laughs> it, was the, it was the jacket mostly, but, you know, because that was uh, not, a, you know, a small fashion statement. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go in another direction here. You mentioned the hot dogs. How did we end up with the ubiquitous hot dogs and the wahoos as our kind of food staples during the games? Well, um, as you probably remember, uh, you know we had uh, Mitt and Fraser who were uh, very frugal. And um, we were making every effort we could to maximize the value in kind that was available from sponsors, as well as providing, you know, um, a reasonable but not elaborate experience for our workforce members. So, uh, in fact, I was talking to Don Pritchard the other day, and I'm probably going to quote him wrong, but it's something like 1.6 million hot dogs were um, distributed or, or consumed, I should say, uh, during the, the Salt Lake 2002 games. And of, of the workforce, that was probably a few hundred thousand of them. It's obviously a lot of spectators bought them. But um, you know what? They were, uh, I guess, sort of a, a local highlight, something reflective of our culinary <laughs> um, traditions in Utah, perhaps. But uh, more importantly, they were uh, easy to distribute and uh, I guess filled people up. <laughs> <laughs> the Wahoos, though, that's a whole different story. If you recall, um, we 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 often talk about after the games what do you do and you know we had the remains of the games uh, you know all the the stuff that doesn't get utilized that either needs to be donated or sold off and and I must say those wahoos there were plenty of them they were not the most popular product I think in fact I don't think you can get them today right they're not out there anymore I have not seen them I love the phrase the remains of the games it. it... <laughs> It sounds a bit morbid, you know, like the remains of the games, like are maybe they're hiding somewhere and someone's going to dig them up and, uh, and resuscitate them. There's probably a truckload of those Wahoos sitting somewhere in Utah with a, you know, half-life of a thousand years. So they're going to be good through the coronavirus uh, um, <laughs> pandemic and beyond. I'm wondering on the hot dogs, if the IOC will, it, should the games be awarded to Salt Lake again, will the IOC put a clause in the host city contract forbidding hot dogs as part of the uh, <laughs> food and beverage program? So sadly, um, you know, you're, if you're familiar with the games, the, the IOC is trying to implement something called the new norm, which is, uh, you know, 118 different uh, measures that are trying to reduce cost and complexity, or at least in, improve the value of the product. Um, and one of those has to do with the, the food and beverage that's uh, offered to different stakeholder groups. And sadly, um, workforce is on the table for potential optimization. So uh, for those of you who get to work for a future 2030 or 2034 games in Salt Lake City, um, you may well be getting a lot of hot dogs again. Well, that's encouraging. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> look at our health insurance premiums as well. <laughs> All right. Now, doing the work of workforce planning and operations, that's not an easy job. I'm sure, I, well, I know you faced a lot of challenges. Um, what were some of the big challenges that you faced and what were some of the creative ways that you found to overcome those challenges? 
Wow. Well, um, I think in an organization like, a, you know, an OCOG, uh, an organizing committee, you're constantly growing and changing. So from a staff management perspective, or I guess from an organizational design perspective, you're, you're, you're constantly dealing with, you know, uh, do you have people in the right places? Do they report to the right leadership? You know, how can we kind of maximize uh, the effectiveness of an organization? And um, if you recall, uh, there were very few offices in the in the um, Slock headquarters. But uh, in one of the offices at Inans, he had a huge magnet board with the names of all the directors on it. And, um, you know, so that in a moment's notice, uh, we just had them on magnets. So you could change the org structure every day if you needed to, or every few minutes, you could create pro formas of how, you know, you might change the organization. And, and we did a lot of that. If you recall, there were a lot of uh, changes and promotions and moving people around and, you know, aligning people with their talents. So, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously at some point you need some stability, but uh, making sure that we've got the right people in the right roles is, is actually, uh, you know, real strength. Uh, of an organization and shows that they they are trying to prepare themselves through the evolution through the whole game's life cycle for games we we focused a lot on team building because it's a real challenge for communications and and also for just onboarding new people and understanding you know the what the games are about and this whole new language we speak and uh, all the other craziness that comes with um, staging the games. And, you know, there were lots of fun little things that we did, I think, that that made that a little more interesting. So if you remember the peak of the week, so on Wednesdays, you know, we would either uh, focus on a functional area and what they do, and or we would, uh, you know, look at a sport or, um, you know, we would try to have mixed education and fun and snacks and, you know, um, donuts and everything else. Uh, but those kinds of things, as well as the other kinds of teams building that we had, you know, monthly all slock meetings, um, the quarterly team building budgets, if you recall, we got pretty wild with those. We've got the $50 per person per quarter. And uh, I think you'll remember, we we really tried to max out what $50 could do for us, including taking us, uh, you know, a, a flight to California and, and having a bit of fun and and all that kind of stuff. Well, I thought that Slot treated its employees very, very well. One of the great benefits that I found was the the what was it called? It was the program with the GM vehicles. You could lease the vehicle for like 150 bucks a month or something. Exactly. Great and deal. it was fantastic. Um, of course, I just i had kids so i was leasing minivans but that's okay i had a pontiac aztec remember that one ugliest car that they ever made oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i thought i thought that the htar group ed and you and the team did a great job of taking care of the workforce not only during our time there but even exiting we were all given um bonuses of uh, for retention and uh, I, th I thought that everybody treated us uh, very very well yeah, and I think that was great. I mean, Mitt and Ed uh, and the rest of the leadership team really did a nice job of that, focusing on, you know, um, the people and really understanding that they deliver the games. Yes, we need venues and all that, but without this management team to, to make it happen, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same outcome. Well, do you have any humorous, entertaining, or educational, uh, inspiring Ooh. stories that you want to share? <laughs> um, inspiring stories. Uh, you, probably some of them are a little bit cynical now that I've been in the games since then, you know, <laughs> because if you recall, there are all kinds of pressures on the organization as you grow everything from, you know, office space. And you remember those little desks on wheels, you know, you could like 
fuck up and move them around and, right. and all the fights we had over those air on office chairs and you know all that i mean some of those things we wouldn't do again <laughs> you know we um in fact what we were talking about for the for the next time we host this thing is just a whole bunch of tables and chairs and you know a big wide open walmart type space people can get together and and do what they need to do um I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's funny when you're a, a resource owner, like when you, when you can provide people or, or uniforms, um, these become bargaining chips in making things happen inside an organization. They become their own currency, so to speak, you know, okay, well, I'll exchange you 50 uniforms. If you get us five vehicles to, to, you know, allow us to have operations work more smoothly or whatever is <laughs> not that these are good things, but these things do happen inside an organization. Well, we'll, we'll uh, leave that one out of the lessons learned. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hmm, good lessons. I'll have to keep thinking. <laughs> no, it's great. Well, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the experience there. And I, I've got memories of, you know, being presented with a situation where we had a very small budget to implement a lot of systems and, uh, you and Ed were very, very supportive in helping us try to find solutions that would that would work uh, in creative ways, you know, maybe engaging sponsors or things like this to to get those solutions over the line. And um, so very, very fond memories of those for me. And uh, one of my fondest memories was uh, Steve Clark sending out an email referencing <laughs> Milt Romney instead of Mitt. The good news is he went on to have a very successful career. So he he, did, he recovered well. <laughs> that is the secret of success. Uh, well, I, I always felt the, the the day I joined Slack and I saw Steve, I'm like, okay, he's going places. Um, yeah. Um, he, he was uh, tremendously talented and he was ambitious. And I mean that in a good way um, and uh, certainly deserve everything that he achieved. Well, I think we had, I mean, not just Steve and Steve was amazing, but we also had a lot of other, you know, unsung heroes and, and there were a, a lot of really talented people uh, that were there. And, you know, the organizing committees uh, don't always get to get the best talent. You know, they, 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 they do tend to get people who are very ambitious and who are willing to take on risk and, and some of that, but often, you know, you don't have all these other compensation tools to reward people. You don't have big stock options and retirement plans and, you know, very competitive, uh, compensation. So we have to do whatever we can to make the operations, uh, sorry, the, the environment, uh, you know, a really positive one so that we can, uh, attract and retain the best talent. So Darren, what have you been doing since the games in Salt Lake ended and how did those games impact your personal and professional life? Wow. Well, I have to say, I probably owe my career to uh, Slock. And um, I was very fortunate after the games, uh, the IOC was looking for someone to run the OGKS, which is Olympic Games Knowledge Services programs for the organizing committees now called OGKM or even IKL. But anyway, um, and uh, the IOC reached out to Fraser Bullock and he recommended me. And um, I was able to go and work in Switzerland for a few years after uh, the Salt Lake Games. And then since then, uh, I've been able to be an advisor and uh, work with almost all of the major events around the world, be it a uh, FIFA World Cup or an Olympic Games or um, the World Athletics Championships that are coming to the US. And uh, it's been an amazing experience. And I really I owe it to to people like Fraser Bullock and to uh, Ed Einan, who uh, was such an amazing mentor in terms of you know human resources, but also just general management. 
Well, and I owe it to people like you. Um, if it wasn't for you, I, you, you were you know, consistently bugging me about going to uh, the amazing metropolis of Doha uh, to, to go work <laughs> oh, on the Asian games. Amazing. And, and uh, <laughs> thanks to your pers- your persistent efforts, um, well, I tried to escape the orbit of the Olympic Games a couple of times, but uh, I got pulled back in, and you pulled me back I into the sucking you back in. Main, ah, yeah, yeah, you yeah you pulled me back into this major event space, and so I also. Uh, owe a lot to you. So thank you very much for keeping me involved in this space for so many years. Uh, well, you're too kind. We've done some uh, really fun projects over the last few years, haven't we? Everything from an Olympic bid to, you know, a Commonwealth Games to um, equestrian games to, as you mentioned, Asian games. So all kinds of different things. Well, they are fun now as we look back in time, <laughs> sometimes during the, yeah, when, when you're in the throes That's of it, true. it doesn't feel all that fun. But when you look back with rose-colored glasses. Everything looked like it was a lot of fun, and truly it was. Well, I'm sure we could spend hours just chatting up all the memories and everything, but I don't want to take up all your time because I know you're very, very busy, and you also work around the clock 24-7, accommodating your clients in Asia and Europe, as well as here in North America. So to wrap up, I've got three assignments for you. Um, One has to do with music. Another one has to do with food. And then I'm going to ask you for your favorite Olympic memory. So I'm going to start with the music. So as you look back over your time there in the Salt Lake Organizing Committee, can you name a song or a group that you listened to back then that when you hear it today, it really brings back the memories of working at SLOC? Wow. So um, I was a huge, or I guess I still am, a huge uh, fan of Bare Naked Ladies. And they came to the Olympic Plaza or sorry, the medals plaza during the games. And so I, I, you, you may not recall, but I had to make sure I had that night off and that we, we each got two tickets to, you know, attend the medals plaza. If you can remember, Um, I had to make sure that those were my tickets. So, uh, ladies was great. They did a fantastic job in, in concert. And, um, I'd say maybe the song was pinch me. The one that I think of when I hear it, I think back to that day. That's an excellent memory. I remember going to see them. I took uh, my wife, Lynn, and Lynn and I went and saw Bare Naked Ladies as well. And we had a blast there. They were a lot yeah. of fun to see. So that's a great, that's a great uh, song. We are creating a playlist, uh, which we'll put on Spotify. Uh, I'm calling it Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective. And as we go through all of these interviews, I'm going to take the songs that everybody nominates. I'm going to put them on the playlist. And that's just a way that everybody can listen to what everybody else was listening to back then. Okay, now here comes the really difficult topic. As you recall, we would spend probably a good two to three hours every morning just talking about what we were going to eat for lunch. Absolutely. That was our team priority every morning. We, that was our first meeting, right? Was yeah, to that, was the, that was the daily staff meeting. We had to, we had to do the, the lunch thing. We had to make that big decision. It was so difficult, but so important. So with that in mind, what was your favorite restaurant to go to for lunch? Well, I guess it could be the dinner as well, but lunch. If you think about those times in Salt Lake, where did you want to go to lunch the most? Wow. Well, um, since I'm the first interview, I'm going to get to choose uh, Crown Burger just up the street from the offices. <laughs> and that's maybe, it, it, well, obviously it was great. And Crown Burger still is great, um, but it was close as well. And, uh, you know, you could always go for a pastrami. Um, what was it called? Pastrami burger. Yeah. Yeah. And onion rings. A very healthy one. Yeah. Crown Burger is so good. I love the bacon cheeseburger at Crown Burger. It is delicious. I love the onion rings there. That should be 
the food of the games, not hot dogs. But if you want a Utah staple, it's got to be the burgers because you've got Crown Burger and you've got Hires and there are a whole bunch of burger places now, but those were kind of the staples back in the day. Great choice with Crown Burger. These were not healthy times for us, though. If I recall, you were bringing donuts in almost every uh, other day as well. And then we were going to Crown Burger. So definitely not our, you know, the well, healthy lifestyle. Like, that's right. The Salt Lake 2002 games happened uh, right around the time that the Krispy Kreme craze arrived in Utah. And there were lines going into those restaurants almost all day long to buy these donuts. And Ed asked me to bring, because I live close to the Krispy Kreme in Fort Union, he asked me to bring two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts every day after the games were over. And so, yeah, I was making a lot of Krispy Kreme donut runs. So that just shows you the importance uh, of and the essential nature of my work with Salt Lake 2002. Without me, you would have not had Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> yeah, I think you did a few more things than that, but yes. <laughs> uh, maybe just a bit. Okay, to take us out, what was your favorite Olympic memory? Now, you talked about bare naked ladies during the games, but did you have any other memories uh, either of competitions or something that happened in the back of house or behind the scenes? What was your favorite memory of those games? Wow. Well, um, there were so many great you know, memories during the games. And if you recall, because we had pretty smooth operations and we'd done a fairly decent job of planning, we actually had a lot of fun during the games. Um, so we got out a lot. Uh, however, I think one of my favorite Personally, one of my favorite moments was actually not during the games. It was before I was uh, um, fortunate enough to be able to travel with the torch relay for a few days and um, got to take my wife with me as well. And um, I think my favorite moment was being able to run the Olympic torch in Arbor Day Park in Nebraska City, Nebraska. So um, a couple of weeks before the games, I guess it was. <laughs> and, um, you know, not that there were many people hanging out in Arbor Day Park at the time in the middle of January, but uh, still, you know, that 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 feeling that you're helping to bring the flame home to Salt Lake city was, was pretty cool. Well, yeah, normally I don't know if I would necessarily advocate for Nebraska as a destination, <laughs> but in this context, absolutely. What a great opportunity really to participate in the torch relay. You know, for me, I mean, I had a lot of great memories too, and you're right. Things were organized smoothly. That was a r real credit to your team. And I remember on the technology side, you know, we spent a few days manning the phones or actually just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring and it never did. So we decided, well, let's just go have a good time. But I think for me, the favorite memory is driving to the office early in the morning. It's still dark outside. I'm going down I-15 and looking on the hill above the University of Utah and seeing the rings lit up on the mountain. To this day, it gives me goosebumps to just think about those rings there. And I would just catch myself and say, you know, I'm actually working this. Uh, I'm actually working on the Olympic Games. I'm working on this event, these rings that the entire world is seeing. I'm, I'm a small part of that. And for, and for me, that was that was a, a wonderful memory. That's great. You talk about goosebumps, goosebumps, excuse me. Um, you know, you and I have been able to go to a lot of Olympic Games since. And the times that still give me goosebumps today is getting to go to the opening ceremony with the locals. Forget about all the internationals and, you know, um, IOC staff and others that get to go. But it's really more fun to sit with somebody who's put in those two or three years of effort, you know, and getting the chance to either see that dress rehearsal or the real opening ceremony and that sense of pride they get and the way their eyes light up and stuff. That's the stuff that still gets me really excited because otherwise it, it can become easy to become a bit cynical in this business or not cynical, but you know, just a, you know, it's just a job like any other job, but those moments are, are really ones that you uh, revive my excitement and enthusiasm about working 
and doing what I do. Well, there's something really special about organizing the games in your home country or your hometown. And those moments that you're talking about, sitting with the locals as they watch the opening ceremonies, it gives you that appreciation for what it's like as a local to participate in the joy of the games. And you're right. If you've done it a few times, then you're like, okay, if there's a bit of been there, done that. And you can be a bit jaded or cynical. But for me, that all washes away when I see the the locals just really absorbing all of that, all of that joy that the games can bring. All right, Darren. Well, thanks for taking us down a well, uh, I guess giving us a short stroll down memory lane. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. If people are uh, interested in uh, catching up with you and uh, learning more about what you're doing in the major event space these days, how would they do that? Yeah, um, I get to help all of the organizing committees in the IOC right now, so it's a lot of fun. Um, you can always email me at Darren at WorkforceOptimity.com. Darren at WorkforceOptimity.com. Perfect. Darren, thank you again so much for the time. We really appreciate it and stay safe. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, let's do this again in 2030. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. 